have some stuff to talk about this time. Good, because this is a good episode. It, it's a sad one, but it was really good. And it, it does make a fitting end of the... It, it, it really is a really good end to this arc. It also kind of touches on one of the things that anime starts doing around like mid to late 90s and does today still that is always just fascinating. Okay, well, save the interesting talk for the episode. <laughs> And welcome to Imagine Me and Utena, a revolutionary girl Utena podcast. I'm Panda. I'm your host. And I'm here with my co-host, Josh, who, unlike the last couple of weeks, has done a lot of homework. Indeed I have. I watched well ahead. I got very excited. Uh, We are here today to talk about Revolutionary Girl Utena episode 12, for friendship, perhaps. We left off last week with Utena having lost the Rose Bride, and our teaser showed Utena in a normal schoolgirl uniform, or at least normal for Otori schoolgirl uniform, and that's what this episode's about. And it was mildly unsettling. It's very unsettling. I had gotten kind of used to the giant shoulders, but they just look so, everything looks so out of place on her because I'm used to seeing her in her prince outfit how did you feel about this episode i liked it a lot but it's very sad i love this episode it gets really really sad which i mean is not really a spoiler because you know it's going to be after the last one but yeah. there's a lot of really cool stuff happening in this episode that i really like and, and it's that utah's kind of been doing since the beginning but it's always done kind of indirectly and now it really does it yeah, we have no filler in this one. This is uh, jam-packed with, with plot stuff. And we mentioned this in the pre-show, but I'm going to make sure that we mention it here. This is the last episode of the Student Council Saga. Technically, the last episode is episode 13, but episode 13 is a clip show. And we will not be reviewing the clip show because we decided we don't want to. But this is the last episode of the Student Council arc. And I need to issue a correction for myself in a previous episode. I don't remember which episode, but I know I've said it before. I said that Utena took place over three arcs and I was mistaken. It actually takes place over four arcs, but I lumped the two, the latter two of the four arcs together because the fourth arc is not as many episodes as previous arcs. So Utena, we are finishing up on the Student Council Saga and are about to enter into the Black Rose Saga, after which we will watch the Akio Otori Saga and the final Apocalypse Saga. Which is so cheerfully made so so cheerful i would argue that the akio otori saga is the worst named of the sagas but we won't get into that until we meet akio yeah yeah all right so you ready to start indeed i am they're showing us the last time on utana and utana is getting her rose cut off of her breast with the scary slash sad piano music in the background yeah I she has love the whole the music. It's that classic anime heroic blue screen of death montage where you know what you know what they're gonna do and it still makes you sad anyway. Oh, incredibly sad. It's the last scene of the last episode where Anthe said goodbye, and now we're back in what is presumably the next day, and Wakaba notices that Utena is not in class. So Wakaba is gonna get to the bottom of this because she's a, a good good gal pal. <laughs> just look at her she's so sad just looking at the wall 
Or Utena the is in her room and she is staring sadly out the window. She's still in her pajamas. And Wakaba is knocking on the door and she sees that Anthe's nameplate has been covered up. And Utena tells her that she can come in. And she's excited at first because she's seeing Utena. And she's asking her why she skipped class today. She's asking her, did you catch a cold? Well, you don't have a fever. No swelling of the tonsils. Wakaba's so, what a good little nurse. She diagnoses Utena with, uh, not her words, but mine, playing hooky. She wants to know where Anthe is and asks if they've been in a fight. And Utena doesn't say anything. That's going to happen a lot this episode, where people say things to Utena and she just doesn't say anything. Because she's thinking about Anthe and being sad. Gosh, that that little the little like flashback to her like leaving with a vow is really bleak. There are little interstitial flashbacks throughout this episode where Utena is thinking about Anthe. We probably won't address all of them when they happen, but they're all very sad. Wakaba is trying to get Utena to open up, and she's like, what happened to your uniform? Because it's got tears in it, and Wakaba offers to fix it, but Utena tells her, that's okay, she has another uniform. I had forgotten that she had a tear in the sleeve, and then here it is. Everybody's blushing because everybody thinks Utena's hot, even in the schoolgirl uniform. And they're talking about how it looks good on her. Everybody's gossiping while she just walks sadly. I love that it's just literally every single one of them has like little bless you, except for Wakawa. Every single one of the other girls is blushing at Utena in the schoolgirl uniform, except for Wakaba, who is complaining about it. And Utena is like, well, this is the normal uniform, so I'm going to wear it from now on. Utena stops because Anthe says good morning to her. And Anthe's just standing there like everything's normal. Utena is obviously sort of upset, but she tries to turn around and just say good morning. You almost think that they're going to have a normal conversation, and then they don't. They don't have a conversation at all. They just say good morning to each other, and then Anthe walks by her, and Utena's sad, and Choo Choo's eating a cracker. Okay, it was really, really like it was. It was. It was sad to see her act the way she acted, but it was kind of unsettling that Choo Choo just like has no reaction to her. Well, Anthe is also sort of unsettling. Yeah. And Wakaba is trying to cheer Utsuna up, saying she's not acting like herself. Look at how she says that, though. She talks about this is normal. Like she says it like four times. That becomes a point later. Mm-hmm. where Utena keeps saying that her her uniform is what's normal and that she's trying to be normal. And that's something that becomes a point of contention between her and Wakaba later. We get our elevator scene with the student council. Mickey has his stopwatch, and I don't like the way Toga looks while he is sitting there next to Anthe. They are talking about how Toga won the duel for Anthe. And Toga's like, I want it because I'm the best. I played the part of the prince who rescued the princess. That's all. And Jury's like, mm-hmm. I love how Jury just like never believes any of this shit. Jury's reaction to everyone is just, mm-hmm. Miki is timing again for no reason. And Anthe says that if she and Choo Choo are in the way, that they could go outside. But Toga says that, you know, it's okay. He wants her there. She's his bride after all. He wants her at his side always, which is totally not creepy. Yeah, it's just sort of, she's a, she's a trophy now person. Wakaba is upset because Utena's ignoring her and she's not acting normal. like herself. Again, we go back. A normal, normal girl. 
over and over again. Makaba says if Uchina doesn't talk to her, she'll never speak to her again. And Toga interrupts because he had heard that Utano was in that school uniform. So he had to come see because, of course, he did because he's a creep. And he <laughs> invites her out on a date on Sunday, just right in front of Anthe. It's like, oh, without the bride, of course. Well, yeah, because she's not a person. Not to him. Wakaba's like, hold up. Wakaba's trying to get Utena's attention, but Utena's just kind of letting Toga be all creepy. She's sort of catatonic. And Wakaba tells Toga, don't touch my Utena. And she's gonna cry. Don't cry, Wakaba. I mean, can you blame her? It's just like... I know. I just don't want Wakaba to have to cry ever. And Wakaba splashes water on Anthe. And Anthe's like, what? To be fair, she didn't mean to. Yeah. Yeah, I think she, Toga was, moves. she was trying to splash water on Toga. But now that she's seen Anthe, she realizes that this is probably has something to do with her. Wakaba says that this is Anthe's fault that Utena is acting this way because they got in a fight and she's yelling and then Utena slaps her across the face. Slaps Wakaba for clarification, not Anthe. Anthe doesn't get slapped this time. And Wakaba slaps her back. So you can't store out to things. Do you see that like weird, angry, shit-eating grit she has. I love slapped. it. I really do. And Toga's like, wow, your friends are lively. We should talk alone next time. Utena gives Anthe a handkerchief, and Anthe says thank you. And Utena's sad. So sad. Utena tells Wakaba she wants her to stop criticizing her, and Wakaba's like, no. Utena tells her she doesn't understand anything, and Wakaba insists that she does, and that she's not gonna let up. And Utena just stands there, being sad. It's just so, like, the op- everything she does in this episode is basically the opposite of what she always does. I know. It, the only thing that's even remotely like normal Utena is, like, the fact that she apparently kept this, her, so- her old socks. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Yeah, which is, well, I could try to find meaning in that, but mostly I just think it's funny. Toga and Anthe are sitting at that table where the student council are always sitting, and Toga is on the phone, and he's like, no, I'm not doing anything right now, even though he's, like, sitting with Anthe, and she's, like, drinking tea. He's like, I'll head over there now to whoever it is he's talking to. He tells Anthe to just wait here for him until he gets back. Because Anthony's not a person to Toka. She just stares with and a she just staring. snap smile. And then she has a little, an, she has a vision of Utena sitting there drinking tea with her. And oh, it breaks my heart. She looks at the handkerchief with Utena's initials on it. Oh, it just, like, it's nice to have that. Just, just in case you were wondering if she totally is just an empty vessel, it's nice to have that reminder. Well, I think that's part of it is trying to decide, you know, like how much of Anthe is there. And like, mm-hmm. that's something that will come into play more later. But Wakaba and uh, Utena are talking now. Wakaba is just, she's just, she's looking for someone to blame, really. Well, that's what you do when, prob- you're, when you have a yeah. friend who's upset. You try to find a source of the problem that you can deal with. It, Wakaba asks Utena again why she's wearing the uniform. And Utena says, this is normal, isn't it? And Wakaba says, no, not being normal is normal for you. This sort of normal isn't normal for you. And Utena starts thinking about what her kind of normal is. This this conversation is where is is where it really hit me. Um, that this this kind of conversation happens a lot actually in anime after about nineteen ninety six or seven. Oh yeah, we'll have to talk about uh-huh. that when the episode's over. 
Yeah, Wakaba is telling her she needs to get back, I don't know, like her her identity, I think is what they talk about and what they're talking about for like the rest of this episode. Yeah, she's talking about identity, but like the almost all the things that Yuta actually thinks about are just Angie. Yeah, that's, right, like, that's worth noting. She thinks about Anthony, but they talk about identity. That's interesting. I'm not sure what to feel about that yet. Yeah. Wakaba insists again that uniform isn't right for you. And Uta is just sort of staring again. And Wakaba's crying again. Utena seems like she kind of has a breakthrough and says, forgive me, Wakaba. And she says she's sorry for slapping her in the dining hall. She says that she understands now. And that the uniform isn't normal for her. And then she gives Wakaba forehead smoochies, which is, if not the cutest kind of smoochies, it, it's up there. If you're listening and you have opinions on what the cutest kind of smoochies are, let us know. We will gladly take those. And of course, she touches her forehead with a little blush. Wakaba blushes because she got forehead smoochies. They are so cute together. Uh, okay, so we're in the garden, and Anthe's just tending to the flowers, and Toga's making out with some rando who runs off when Utena starts to walk up. Because Toga doesn't think that females are people. Yeah. Toga invites her again to go on a date, and Utena's like, no, I want to go now. But what she means is that she wants to go. She wants to I love fight. that it was not until right that moment that Anthe has any like it's any like reaction. Yeah, Anthe has a visible reaction in her face when Utena insists on going to the dueling forest. And now we have Aiko and Biko. Do you know? Do you know? Have you heard the news? Study normal subjects, find a normal job, fall in love and get married normally, and have a normal life. But being normal has nothing to do with us. We're tired of doing all things we've done till now. Time for us to go back to being what's normal for us. Do you know? Do you know? Do you know what that is? They get abducted by aliens. Or rather, they are aliens and they go home. That was probably the, this one is probably the weirdest one that they do at the first half part, the little Echo and Biko. I feel like people feel that way after every single time that <laughs> one happens. Utena is walking to the dueling forest and she's approached by Juri who tries to give her a sword. I love that Juri gives her the sword and says, this is what you need to set the scene after his, after Toga talks about like playing the part of the prince. Yeah, I do like, like that. I do like that phrasing. This is what you need to set the scene. Jury definitely goes up as as the series goes on. Jury goes up, in my opinion. I like Jury a lot. She starts out without a lot of characterization, but that's because they just don't focus on her yet. And when they do focus on her, like her character gets better every time they focus on her. Oh, we'd be remiss not to mention the fact that the um the music changes. It's very jazzy. Utena says that she's not here to fight for the Rose Bride. She's here to fight for herself, self in quotation marks. And Toga says that he's not here to lose to her today. And so Anthe summons the Sword of Dios and Toga pulls it out of her. And I don't like seeing him in this animation. He takes the sword, grant him the power to bring revolution or whatever. <laughs> <clears throat> and this is where it gets creepier because Toga is an endless wealth of creep. Toga's like, you've body. seen this sword, but did you know it can be used like this? 
And then Anthe like bends down and is like kissing it and we could pretend Look at his that eyes. that's not we could pretend that that's not innuendo, but we're not going to because it is. It's I mean, very almost this entire show. Almost the entire show is basically innuendo though. Everything about the framing of that shot is very innuendo and the sword starts glowing red and sparkling. And Ujin's like, what? Or like, okay, it was a shiny sword, but that could also apparently cut through solid concrete. Maybe. I mean, it won't do that in a second, but. The power of the sword of Dios is never broken down into definitively things it can and cannot do. It just sort of does whatever the plot needs it to. And we hear Anthe thinking about how she hopes that this ends quickly so Utena won't suffer because she knows that for Utena, this is going to be a losing battle, especially now that Utena's blade has been cut off her sword and she's fighting with her karate skills and a broken sword. Toka slashed at her clothes a bunch because we needed that to happen, right? Yeah, that was literally my thought when I first watched this episode. Was like, we yeah, just saw that typical. animation of Toga running with the sword three times in this one duel. <laughs> That same singular animation. But Anthony's talking about how there's something strange about Utena. Why does she keep fighting even if she's going to lose? And Utena's like, maybe I don't know anything about Anthe, but I'm taking back what I used to be, which is not something that I understand as a concept, but maybe we can talk about later. Did you did you see him do the pathetic? The, I um, did. I was hoping you were going to mention. Pathetic thing. He, he, he resembled Asuka from Evangelion and said pathetic for a minute. And, and there we go. Anthe finally has a reaction. Anthe reacts during the duel. It seems like Utena's finally about to lose and Anthe has sort of like an oh shit moment and then suddenly the sword stops glowing and Anthe starts crying. And Utena manages to throw Toga off and in a whirl of rose petals manages to defeat him with her little stump of a sword. It's kind of incredible. It's almost unbelievable, except that at this point, you just accept everything that happens. Yep. She cut off the rose from his chest, and Utena says- Did you notice Anthe was crying, by the way? Yeah, I said that just a second ago, but Anthe's crying, and it's so- feelings and and then it ends we see the ringing bells and then Utena's walking back to her dorm and who's there to meet her to walk with her it's Anthe just like the first time just like the first time she gets her little spiel all over again she does her little thing about how she's the rose bride and she she starts to go into it and then Utena's like come on Anthe you don't have to do that let's just go home and she looks so shocked about it. Anthe gets all blushy, and they walk off together. Oh. And it's basically the best thing that could ever happen. I love it. I'm so happy. I'm st- at least for now, that that had a ha- the- <laughs> this is one of one of our few happy endings for a while. But yeah, so yeah, we, we, we have a. I feel like there's a lot. I feel like we have a lot to to talk about. Yes, we do. Where do you want to begin? Um. Well, part of me just wants to reiterate the fact that how weird it is to see it's in another dress or it's in anything that isn't like reminiscent of a 19th century 
cavalry officer. Anything. I don't know if I've shown you, but the English dub of the show has a different credit sequence, and it has in it a an image of Utena wearing a dress that is similar to Anthe's Rose Bride dress, and even that doesn't look as weird as when she's wearing the uni- like the school uniform. I'm going to see if I can you pull up show a, that. an yeah, image you, of it. You're going to show that to me. Yeah, the English dub uh, has a different credit sequence, apparently, than the version that is being hosted on YouTube in Japanese. And I'm going to see if I can find a picture of that. But anyway, continue while I do that. Um, one of the things I need to find this one, um, she talks about normal. And, and specifically, what's normal for you is not being normal, basically, is what she said. Yes. And... I instantly thought of one of my um, my favorite quotes. The crucial thing to do is to find a truth, which is truth for me, to find the truth for which I am willing to live and die, which is from a journal entry by my boy, Soren Kierkegaard. I bring this up because this is the earliest example of this, this trend that I've, I've found. I was really fascinated. Anime has a weird indirect love with German and Danish existentialism. And it's not like a covert thing. It's really obvious. Really? Anybody who, yes, oh, definitely. Evangelion is one of my first examples. There's a whole episode called The Sickness, on, uh, I think it's The Sickness Unto Death, mm-hmm. and dot, 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 which is actually the name of one of his books, one of the last of his books. Oh, I didn't know that. Sickness Unto Death is also the name of, an, of a manga, which is weird about a girl who has uh, multiple personality disorder. Mm-hmm. I don't think they call it that anymore. But Disassociative identity disorder is the preferred nomenclature to my knowledge. If anyone has a correction yeah. on that, if, please if let knows. me know. Yeah, because I'm not real. I was not a psych major. I'm not that familiar with the DSM. I'm fairly certain um, it's disassociative identity disorder, but I'm also but open also to have, correction. You also have, there, there are lots, if you look, start looking for it, you find it everywhere. Nietzsche, especially. You will find things like, you'll find little bits of Nietzsche, direct quotations. You'll find, like, motifs that are from that. But the conversation I hear a lot across them, even when it doesn't reference these things otherwise, is this idea of finding a truth which is, quote-unquote, true for you. Like, this is, like, you you see it, like, literally you find this in freaking Naruto and Mm. in that kind of level, like, anime, like, shonen anime, where it's, the idea is you, you you don't so much, like, go along with the truth is that you make your own this idea of like people expect this one like the crowd expects x but you are y and you're going to break from the crowd and be your own person and find this true you that is authentic that's all really old and it goes back to the 19th century the beginnings of existentialism and it's always been really fascinating to me because I just it's everywhere and it's not really like i wonder like i really i would love to be able to pick a couple of manga cause and minds and really just ask them like was this intentional like are is is this a thing that in these creative circles that um existentialism is is sort of widespread because you find that a lot in um in creative circles like in, in generic circles that people tend to read the same things and tend to follow the same sort of motifs that makes like sense. yeah, it's like it's like why a lot of the, a lot of punk bands ended up being anarchists because they all kind of read the same things, walked in the same intellectual circles. You also find the like a lot of the paint like schools of painters tend to go in the same way. A lot of the schools of writers tend. So this is like the the conversation she has with Wakaba. Well, I always say that name wrong. 
is exactly that. It's exactly that idea of um, making your own meaning. And, and her own meaning, her authentic self has been, Ogama describes it as being cool, yeah. um, but it's, it's, it's sort of been represented by the fact that her, her uniform is different and her attitude is different. And she not necessarily has to conform to what the crowd wants. Not necessarily because setting herself apart part or ahead of it, but simply being herself. And that was a really just that was just a really cool moment for me. I, I was a um, philosophy minor, so like it, it was a little close to home. And but it was also interesting to think of it in terms of like like Andy does this all over the place. Once you start looking for it, you can't stop seeing that. They don't really get into this, but I feel like it, like as far as talking about it in the episode. But I'm wondering about performative femininity and like mm-hmm. because. I don't know. It feels like when Utena's trying to be quote unquote normal, she puts on a traditional girl's uniform. She takes on a soft spoken and docile demeanor. And these are all sort of characteristics of quote unquote traditional femininity. And I I hadn't noticed the voice, but you're right. I don't know. Like, I don't have a fully formed thought here, but I feel like that is something interesting no, like, going on here. I agree, and and that that was actually that was actually part of that revelation for me because it's exactly what she's doing is that she is she has it, the other part of it was despair. I was going to get to this, but that's exactly where I was going. Utilon loses. She loses not just the duel, but herself, and yeah. that she like not like her prince ends up basically using that her quote-unquote prince use that against her her entire identity basically and besides just being a blue heroic blue screen death it's like it is despair and i was thinking about sickness unto death because that was the book it reminded me the sickness unto death is about the concept of despair and in there is this really great um quote that is from the very beginning i've been thinking about when i think about it tonight is a man says in his heart that he will be caesar or nothing but he will not be caesar Thus, he is, dis- in dis- in- he is in despair, but he's not in despair over not being Caesar. He's in despair over himself because he's not the self that he wants to be. That's like this. That's this episode in a nutshell. And it's really kind of it, it, something that you know, about the whole like show kind of grapples with is. Yeah. Mickey and Jerry kind of want the quote unquote revolutionary revolutionizing the world, that power. They really want it for themselves to change themselves. Yeah. And we'll see that in the next arc. That will be even like, it'll be way more explicit. They will straight up say that's exactly what they're doing. Characters will. But that's really kind of what Utena is doing too. Except that unlike the others, she's not trying to do it through Anthony. She's not making Anthony a catalyst for her own sort of identity. She's really, it's, it, it, is the, it is the struggle of dueling that kind of that refines it. Anthony is that's why her relationship with Anthony is more wholesome than the others, even though Mickey is pretty genuine about it usually. Because he she actually she's just she's not reliant on Anthony to, to be something or someone. Yeah, yeah. It's it seems like a lot of the student council have rooted themselves in this idea that they are part of the student council and that their mission is to revolutionize the world or whatever. And since Utena had her own foundation outside of that. She's not dependent on Anthe for the success of her own goals because her goals don't involve using Anthe's power. One of the, as as sort of a as a closing thing on, on that idea. Um, in Sickness Unto Death, Kierkegaard talks about 
despair is being in despair over yourself, that you aren't what you could or will, would like to be. And we see that here, but we also see his prescription for how one defeats despair. And for him, it was accepting the self that is, is the only way to change that self. We kind of have a moment where, where Utena is, is, is in despair over her illusion that she's lost herself. Like, she can't be the same. She her, her uniform is, is messed up. And on top of that, you know, like, she's lost. And her that, that the dream of her prince has been used against her. And so she thinks that she's lost herself, when in reality she hasn't. And in that moment where you realize that she understands that, that she still wants to fight and she still wants to struggle and be who she is, is that's the moment when she breaks out of it immediately. Her voice changes, her disposition changes, goes back to normal. I liked that. I mean, I, I thought that was that was really, really good. Also, I think that we can like settle definitively that Toga knows that he's not her prince and he was using that as a reason to play her. Or maybe he does think that he's like her prince, but like, I don't know. He definitely seemed like in this episode that he was admitting that it was all just a big joke or a big ploy to get her to do what he wanted her to do because everyone's a chess piece to toga yeah i kind of i kind of thought going in that maybe he was legitimate but also a, a, a douchebag but no he just ended up being just a douchebag and he never actually believed it at least that's how i interpreted it yeah because i don't know like the way he talks about the role he specifically talks about playing a role kind of yeah that's why that's what gives me the feeling that he knew that he was just messing with her but i don't know like i feel like there's still some possibility that he might think that in like his own romantic way that he was the person that she thinks is her prince but i don't know like i don't know for the most part, it just seems like he knew he was messing with her. Or he was using what he thought he knew for his own gain. Which is definitely... Which just makes him worse. Which, which I mean, he was already terrible, but it just gets worse and worse. He is terrible. The bottom of the tiers on our Patreon is Seonji, but maybe I should change it to Toga. Do we even have to have him on the page? I feel like that would dirty the thing. I can take him off. <laughs> <laughs> I mean the the toga and the seonji are essentially the same thing except uh I think on toga level it says that you'll get our unending love and appreciation whereas the seonji level does not uh guarantee you that love and appreciation but I'm lying to you I love I love you anyway. Ooh that's like that I mean that's that takes a little bit of hutzpah like you know we we'll, we'll sort of appreciate you at that level. Listeners, I love you whether you give us money or not. <laughs> but I guess that does it for for this week. Unless, uh, do you have anything else I about this episode you want to talk about? I could probably keep ranting and raving about the same thing I already have for 10 minutes, but I think I'm good. Yeah, that was good. I had never, I have, I've only read very little of Kierkegaard and it was also many years ago. So I'm certainly not as familiar as you are. But so that was interesting. Yeah, at, at some point I'm I'm going to do an entire like my dream would be to write an entire book about how Evangelion is just um, Hideko Ani Ano just like basically going through Kierkegaard's body of work and and copy pasting it one day. Sorry. One day. 
If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can do that at UtanaCast. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do that at Impandanata. If you want to follow Josh on Twitter, you can do that. Josh, what's your Twitter handle? At Lyrewolf, which is L-Y-R-E-W-U-L-F. If you want to talk to us about the show, you can do that over Twitter, or you can email us at imagineandutana at gmail.com, or you can hit us up or just follow us on Tumblr at imagineandutana.tumblr.com. Got a lot of followers over there because I spend a lot of time just reblogging Utana fan art and GIFs because I, I feel like the blog would just be boring if it were just every time I publish an episode, so I like to keep some content on Doing there. Doing the Lord's work spreading Utina to the masses. So also, if you want to support us on Patreon, you can do that. There's a link to our Patreon on our SoundCloud and on our Twitter and on our Tumblr. So there are plenty of places that you can go do that. The show will continue to be free whether you donate or not, but it would be appreciated if you did. And there's some neat rewards. And I'm planning on adding some rewards i'm thinking about doing better about saving outtakes from the show or funny clips from the show that i happen to like for maybe like the pre-show or maybe when we if we get off topic we don't always we don't really get off topic very often but occasionally and uh i will maybe make those clips available to listen to for patreon backers but i haven't solidified that yet so just be on the lookout for that if that would be something then you're interested in hearing. If not, then, well, you know, you don't have to. You still got the show. <laughs> uh, that does it for this week and for the Student Council Saga. Excited to enter into Woo-hoo. the Black Rose Saga, the little-known prequel to M. Night Shyamalan's Devil. It's all downhill into creepy town from here. Get it? Because it was a because Devil was about an elevator. That somebody somebody thought that was somebody thought I've that was funny. I'm sure. I didn't see it either. I just know it was about an elevator. Anyway, <laughs> revolutionize <laughs> the world, everybody. See you later. <laughs>